0: Welcome to The Color of Us. As we begin 2023, i decided so excited to introduce a new monthly series entitled Let's Talk About It, where members of The Color of Us reflect on their own experiences of being multiracial and multicultural and how they learn to navigate their identities. Today, I'm here with Campbell Brown to talk about cultural code switching.
1: Campbell Brown. I'm half Chinese and I'm a fellow of The Color of Us. I currently help run some of the social media. I post on the TikTok and I am working on writing some blog posts for The Color of Us currently. Thank you so much
0: for sharing so as a brief intro for um some of the listeners who might not know cultural code switching is defined as an act of changing behavior including speech dress mannerism etc to conform to different cultural norms outside of the house so to start off i was wondering if you could share a little bit about your experience growing up trying to navigate two different cultures
1: so i wasn't super super connected with my actual side of the family growing up with uh, my chinese culture but there were definitely places that I was put in where I was in situations with, I think, mostly people who didn't know that I was Chinese. And I was put in a situation of, do I want to respond to the things these people are saying um, that lets them know that I am Chinese? If people are saying mostly things that are uncomfortable or making jokes about being Asian. And also, if I'm in a group setting that's mostly white people, do I want to let them know that I'm Asian or risk having you know uncomfortable topics brought up so definitely there were places i was put in where people would make jokes at the expense of other asian people in the class and i would be forced to kind of either stick up for them or sit there and that was really uncomfortable because people would you know say racist things around mixed-race people not assuming that i'm asian and you're put in a situation where you have to decide do i want the uncomfortable do i want the uncomfortable talk to be shifted over to me or do i want to just sit there and obviously i'd say the choice is always you have to say something but that does come with the situation of having the attention focused back on you
0: yeah definitely i think like in my own personal experience too it also comes with age so when i was really young i had pretty much the same experience as you where um because i'm half indian people would not assume that i'm indian and they would say like stereotypes towards indian americans and sometimes microaggressions and racist things and At a young age, like when I was six or seven, I wouldn't really know how to manage that, and I often just kind of ignored it, which is something I really regret.
1: Definitely. I think as I became a lot more comfortable in my identity and more connected with my actual culture, I started sticking up for people a lot more, and I do think a lot of that comes with age. Like a lot of the stuff people would say in middle school around me, like making dog eater jokes about, um, I remember this time my classmate in math class, um, had like a genuine question, like, don't you guys eat dogs? Don't remember if I said anything then, but that stuff would definitely not fly now. And I think it's because I became a lot more secure in my identity and the stuff they might have said to me then does not really affect me as much.
0: Something that I also noticed too, was I would get microaggressions from people within my own family and like, both sides of my culture. Mm -hmm. So my white family friends would say like, oh, that I didn't look white enough, that like I was so tan and exotic. Whereas my Indian side of the family would say that like, oh, I'm not truly Indian enough. I was wondering if you ever had that experience.
1: Oh, I definitely had that experience from white people. I haven't really connected with my Chinese side of the um, culture. I've had comments mostly from white people being both that I'm, you know, exotic or that I'm too white or not Chinese enough. Surprisingly, I would get comments like, well, you're not even really Chinese, which I would expect maybe from Chinese people, but I would actually get those comments a lot from white people as well. Mm -hmm. So I definitely experienced that growing up. And, you know, I definitely would not let that fly as much as I did back um, then now
0: I remember one particular incident when I went to a summer camp when I was like maybe 10 or 11 and all of my friends there were Indian Americans and I would be talking to them about like I think Diwali was coming up and talk about how we we're going to celebrate and all that and I remember distinctively one person turned to me and was like why on earth are you celebrating Diwali you're not really Indian and I think that was just such a profound moment in my life where I realized that mixed-race individuals aren't seen as, like, fully part of both of their cultures. Mm -hmm. That always stuck out.
1: That is such a bizarre thing to say to you. I'm so sorry. Yeah. No, No, I have definitely gotten that. I have gotten the comments a lot from more of the Asian people where it's like, you're not really Chinese in a way that's not, like, in a way that's more about being mixed race as in being mixed race doesn't mean you're part of two cultures it means like you're not enough for either culture um and so I've definitely gotten it in a way that's like you're not really Asian as in like kind of you're trying to co-opt our identity less of like this isn't really a thing for you but more like you are actively trying to assert yourself into an identity you're not really um and it's kind of bizarre because it's more comments about like clinging on to culture so I've gotten comments about like not being actually chinese from white people but then i've gotten comments about like clinging on to culture or trying too hard to be active in one culture or one community from asian people and it's been really hurtful because they're the people i would go to for kind of support as in if i'm getting you know targeted for being asian from white people but it's more rejection for being mixed race than support for also being half asian
0: I think when I was young, I got a lot of that and I felt a lot of that. So what I would do was I would try to code switch a lot. So like if I was around a community of all just Indian Americans, I would like try to be as stereotypically Indian American as possible, per se. Like Really embrace that side of the culture, try to speak in as much Tamil or Hindi as I could, even though it's not going well. Um, but whereas when i my white side of the culture, I would like kind of reject all of that part of me. And I wondered if, like, that's something that you also had the experience with.
1: I don't have a ton of, I don't have a ton of experience with actual Chinese culture, but I definitely did try to attach myself onto that growing up when I was around Asian people, because I started making a lot of Asian friends when I moved to California and, um, SoCal, and I definitely tried to latch onto that part of my culture, like, after I started making more Asian friends, I actually started becoming interested in Mandarin lessons that never panned out. But I was asking my mom about those, and I definitely did make a lot of stereotypical Chinese attempts to like latch onto my culture, like making jokes about boba and stuff, always getting Asian food with my friends. Even though it wasn't super meaningful and it wasn't like something more connect, like actually connecting with my culture, like speaking Mandarin, there was definitely an attempt to be more Chinese or like seem like I had more casual aspects of Ch- being Chinese in my daily life with my Asian friends. Mm-hmm.
0: Something that would happen to me as well is I feel like I would mess up in a sort of way when I was interacting with different cultures. So like when I would go over to my Indian friend's house, I would often forget to take off my shoes for a long time because yeah. that's just something that we didn't do on my white side of my family. Yeah. And it was really hard trying to learn like what the right place is for these different kind of cultural interactions. And I think that's still a struggle for me going forward.
1: I can definitely understand that yeah I think well personally it's actually been complicated because I don't really have segregated aspects of like this is my Chinese heritage and this is my white heritage Mm -hmm. most of my friend groups have been pretty blended actually Um, yeah it's mostly that I don't have like specifically defined things but it's more because my mom has been pretty integrated into American culture it's like less heavily defined for me I would say
0: that's really wonderful. I think like for me, I don't I don't know if it's like a difference in region where we grew up, but were you born in SoCal?
1: Um, no, I was born in New York actually, but I was born in a very, very white community. It was a very, very small white town and I was exposed to a lot more things, a lot more of Asian culture when I moved to SoCal when I was 10.
0: That's really wonderful. I think for me being in Phoenix the entire time, you can tell it's very small. Yes,
1: it's not much diversity. Very, yes. Um, I actually do think that being born in the very, very small white community did have an experience in me growing up though. I, this may be related to code switching because when I was in this very, very white community, I genuinely like mostly identified as white. I was pretty young, so we didn't think about it much. And we did things like, you know, go to H Mart or whatever, make, um, Chinese food. We celebrated Lunar New Year once or twice. We had exactly one family friend that was Chinese, one group of family friends that was Chinese and the rest, it was a very, very white community. Um, But I did genuinely kind of just identify as white, call myself white, and not really think about microaggressions I experienced, allow myself to take racist jokes a lot. There was a lot of that growing up, you know, 2000s, early 2010s, before I moved to California when I started actually meeting more Asian people and being more involved in Asian culture by just experience and proximity to Asian people. And that's when I actually started identifying as Chinese and something other than just white. So when I actually started thinking about my identity, this was probably mostly when I was about 12, 13, that became a really important thing for me. I started kind of trying to make up for all of the years I fully identified as white, especially in that white community and how shamed I felt for just letting people say all these microaggressions to me and all these racist things. And I just started remembering like, oh, when I think back to it, that was actually not okay. And that was very racist. It was just normalized. And I fully identified as white. So I didn't really say anything. And I kind of tried to make up for it by fully like, trying to identify too much as Chinese, I would say, and like not identify as white at all. And I focused very heavily on it in a way that wasn't healthy for me. So I kind of identified fully as white. And then when I moved to California, I tried to make up for it and make up for all the racism I just tolerated and dismissed by fixating too much on my Chinese identity instead of just saying like, I can be two things at once and I'm not necessarily half or less of anything. I'm just mixed race.
0: I think one of the interesting things that you're mentioning is something that you talked about in one of the TikToks that you posted, that racism against mixed race and multicultural individuals is just so normalized. And it's not really something that even many people recognize in our
1: minds. Oh, yes, yes, for sure. This is a topic I'm actually extremely passionate about. I feel like because we're such a small demographic, and I'm not saying if we have it like worse or better than other people of color. I'm just saying that people of color, usually like a full Chinese person would have a lot larger of a group and a community they can fall back upon because we're such a small demographic. It's not even that we're like mixed race and we don't have the entire mixed race community to fall back to because also it's such a different um, demographic because we're all mixed with something different. Mm-hmm. But specifically it's that we're not even like full Asians where they have like the full community, like a full Chinese person can fall back on that. We're so small and We don't have the support of both our white half and our Chinese half. We mostly just have the support of us, other mixed race folk. And that's such a tiny, tiny statistic.
0: I was wondering if you could share a little bit with the listeners about what you did to kind of come to terms with both of the facets of your identity and embrace both aspects of your culture
1: oh for sure for sure this definitely had a lot to do with researching my family heritage so I actually there's a photo on my desk right there of my great-great-grandmother and it started when I was around 13 in middle school we started reading a book about the cultural revolution and I got really interested in it and I texted my mom and because this was a point in time where i had previously kind of I completely identified as white and I was like wait didn't we flee China because my family has a really complicated history with war with China and with immigration. And I was like, wait, don't we know about this? Didn't we like flee China? Don't we have ties to the cultural revolution? And my mom actually texted me and she didn't go super in detail, but I kept bothering her about it. And it actually appears that my family Fled China because of the you know the complicated political stuff going on at the time, and that was my great grandparents and then they immigrated to Taiwan, and then they immigrated back to the US, So my mom came here with her parents when she was about six, I would say, and it began really interesting me, and then that was a period of time where. I also began getting more into activism and i got into activism before i started like actually considering my identity i mostly identified as white or wasn't thinking about it but then when i started thinking about it i was noticing racism going on more and more in the world and becoming increasingly uncomfortable with stuff like dog eater jokes getting thrown at me like oh aren't you supposed to be really good at math blah 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 blah. and there was a period of time where i kind of fixated on my family's history my mom was doing this digitate. uh digitalization project with her old photos, so I was asking her if I could look at my family's old photos and they have these really cool vintage photographs. I was going a lot through that. Um, there was a point in time where because my mom was also very disconnected from our culture from immigration at a really young age, and how having to assimilate to a very, very white city in a very white society, mostly for her own protection, you know, growing up in like the 70s, the 80s. Um, I became really obsessed, and she didn't really understand, because I feel like because she's fully Chinese, she doesn't have to feel like she has to prove anything to anyone. Mm -hmm. But I think subconsciously, the thing I was worried about is feeling like, well, can I call myself Chinese now that I'm beginning to identify as mixed race and not just white? And I feel like I have to have a very strong connection to my culture to be able to call myself Chinese and not just white. Even though biologically, I'm half of both, I feel like I'm co-opting an identity that I don't really quote unquote deserve to be a part of so I began trying to I really wanted to sign up for Mandarin classes for a while it didn't pan out but and then I was asking her what her Chinese last name is what her Chinese name was what my grandparents names were in Chinese and Mandarin um trying to to look a lot into that I was begging my parents for an ancestry DNA test I wanted to know like what part of the country we came from where we were from what our history was and it definitely kind of had a period of fixation or unhealthy obsession for a little while for a couple months before and my parents obviously were like I don't understand. My dad was like you're not even Asian. I don't understand, which was definitely hurtful, but he's not mixed race and it's just something he said without ill intentions. Mm-hmm. Um and then my mom who was fully Chinese was like it doesn't matter because that's not who we are because she had to deal with racism growing up, so she tried to distance herself by saying I don't really define myself by my Asianness. Um and so I mostly tried to research a lot about my culture before coming to a point where my emotions started to level out and I was like, also trying along with my activism, I don't have to prove anything to anyone, just like I don't have to take the racist jokes. This is my identity and I don't owe anyone anything. And I don't have to say like, I know Mandarin to identify with the person I am. That's up to me and no one else.
0: It's so interesting. We have really, really similar experiences on this. I think when I first became conscious of the fact that I'm mixed race and I can identify with both parts of my identity is when my family took a trip to Ireland. So my mom is second generation Irish immigrant. My grandparents, well, my great grandparents who I grew up visiting, my great grandmother who was like with me forever, so sweet, fresh off the boat from Ireland. And I always knew they were Irish, but I never saw myself as actually connecting with my Irish heritage. And when we went to Ireland, there's this place, I forgot what town it was. But you can search what your like ancestral last name was and find the region of Ireland that you were from. So I actually learned that my mom's last name is Cell, but it was changed and it was originally Sullivan. And then immigration just like squiggled something real quick yeah. and Cell. And I found like the region in Ireland that she was from and all that. And we went and actually visited. And it was just such a meaningful cultural connection to think like, this place here is a large part of my identity even if i don't feel it back home Mm -hmm. i started really navigating um both sides of my identity and exploring both of them so i did a lot of research on my mom's background but i also did a lot of research on my dad's background like i realized that my last name actually comes from his ancestral village and The region that we're from is in the south, and there's such a rich history of immigration, of a variety of different cultures in that area. And I really did want to do an ancestry DNA test too, because it's like, what other cultures am I heard of in this region? And that was really meaningful to helping me connect with my identity as well.
1: I definitely try to cling on to material things, which can be helpful for a certain extent. I feel like having like concrete research saying that you are something, you know, kind of might get you more comfortable in your identity because it's not really something you can deny if you have all the facts and the knowledge. I think
0: another thing that I... I realized that was interesting is I'm a quarter Irish and a quarter Swedish Uh and I would never consider myself Swedish, but in my own family, we have Swedish holiday traditions. So this thing where we hang like a pickle ornament on the tree every year, and Uh then you have to find the pickle. And if you find the pickle, you get like a special prize for Christmas.
1: I've heard about that. That's super fun.
0: Yeah, it's really fun. Um, And I think I'm becoming more comfortable sharing like elements of that Swedish culture with people before I would just be like, oh, white, Indian. And even before that, I would go often with Indian because I look more tan and I have brown hair. It was a bit more leap to say white phenotypically. Um, and now I feel comfortable kind of sh- sharing the nuances of my different cultures with people, which is really nice.
1: I wouldn't say I ever tried really hard to connect with my white side. When my, um, When I was asking my mom a lot about my family history, my dad was always like, well, why aren't you interested in your white side? And my mom actually dug out this book that my dad had that was a family tree and it was so many pages just going back for generations since I think some of us immigrated from um, England or Britain and I actually wasn't super interested in that. I read all of it, but I feel like for me, it was personally something I didn't really feel like I had to have the material concrete facts of because I felt really secure in the fact that I definitely was white just because growing up, I identified a lot as white and no one has ever told me like, you're not really white. Mm-hmm. Um, as I have heard, you're really not really Asian. So I didn't feel like that was something I had to have the facts of, which I think is also bad because I would love to currently now when I'm secure, no, um, just the facts of my family's heritage on both sides, just for the fun of it, for more personal interest and not for the reason I researched my family history so obsessively in China, which is kind of more trying to prove something.
0: Definitely. But I also think that being in America, it's more normalized to speak to your white heritage. So like, even for me, I feel like I can connect with that side more and it's more readily accepted than saying that like oh my dad's like first generation immigrant from India I identify as half India and here's this part of my culture so I definitely understand that
1: I feel like being white right now everything I do kind of just because of virtue of being in America I feel like everything around me kind of points to white or like a white way of life and it definitely wasn't something I had to cling on to as if I was trying to like assure myself that I was white because you know growing up I was told I was white and everything I also feel like having a lot more mixed race friends has made me become a lot more secure in my identity being Asian is a pretty small demographic but since I moved to California I met this one girl actually Sam who goes to UCLA and we've had a lot of really really meaningful conversations about being mixed race so I would definitely recommend to any of um anyone younger who's mixed race, try to find a mixed race friend. They will definitely have a lot of insights to give about your experience growing up. And it's really nice to have solidarity. Obviously, um having people having friends that were Chinese got um got the things I was going through a little bit. They got The comments I was receiving for being Chinese, but there's a very unique, very special kind of friendship you develop with someone who's in the exact same boat as you, who's received many of like the exact same comments as you, worded the same way. And that definitely made me become very secure in my identity because I realized I'm not alone feeling this way. And I'm not alone in thinking how ridiculous these comments are.
0: Yes, I really agree with that. That's basically the main reason I founded The Color of Us, because growing up, I didn't have any mixed-raced friends. And the ones I did would identify solely with one type of their identity because that's what they looked like phenotypically and what they were labeled as. And it's just not something that I could connect with. So it's really meaningful to me to have this platform and to have you here talking about your experiences.
1: Yeah, I think it's really, really great. I was really excited when I actually heard that the Color existed. I thought it was something people definitely needed. It was pretty unique and it was going to bring a lot of people together. And I think it has. I think it's a really cool platform. Thank you so much. And thank you for your time today.